And their actions have broken these marriages and, in fact, destroyed the companionship that God created marriage to be. But that's not even his biggest complaint here. As if that wasn't bad enough. It's that their divorces and their seeking new wives had not only broken the companionship and the covenant that God created in marriage, it thwarted another purpose that God has for marriage. What really has God upset here is that he had brought men and women together and made them one through marriage and through their breaking up of their families it was hurting their children because his plan was that he desires what he calls godly offspring. He wanted people to have kids to follow him. He wanted the nation to follow him and he wanted to have kids to follow him. Now, a stable marriage provides the best environment for children to grow up into stable, godly, productive adults. It's the ideal that God created for nurturing children. Remember, we're always talking about ideals here. Within that structure, discipline can safely take place. There can be unconditional love. Values can be passed on from parent to child. And the child brought up, to use the New Testament uh, phrase, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay, now, now when I say that, okay, this is not to say that single parent families also do not have love or, or cannot raise godly children or anything of the sort. Okay, so, so nobody gets to walk out of here and go, Pastor Orville said sing, sing, single parent family are doomed. Yeah. <laughs> Game over, they're all going to die. No, I'm not saying that. Remember, whenever we're talking about what the Bible says about things like marriage and family, we are talking about God's plan and his ideals for those things. What is his absolute best? Stable, man-woman family is his ideal for raising children. Does not mean that single parents out there are doomed that they also can't raise wonderful children. But I bet you if you ask any of them, they will tell you it's way harder. It's tough being a single parent. It's brutal. It's hard. It's hard in our society to have a two-parent family, let alone being a single parent. Statistics bear out what I'm saying, that the two-parent family has the best chance of raising godly offspring. Just give me some statistics. And these are kind of older ones. But uh, a study of 25,000 incarcerated juveniles made by the Bureau of Justice Statistics uh, indicates that 72% of them came from broken homes. I can tell you that our work in Eldora bears that out. I honestly can't think of a kid that I've met at Eldora in many, many years of going there that had a stable two-parent family. I just can't. I mean, we met lots of kids, and the ones that... Uh, 30 years ago, 74% of the nation's children lived with two parents, 26% with one parent. It's like about half that now. A child growing up in a single parent home is seven times more likely to get into some sort of trouble with the law. According to the University of Nebraska, uh, research shows that adolescents of divorce uh, greater risk.
risk for increased use of alcohol and drugs, teen pregnancy, running away, gang involvement, and aggressive behavior. Girls without a father in their life, two and a half times as likely to get pregnant. 53% more likely to commit suicide. I thought that was interesting. Boys without a father in their life are 63% more, more likely to run away and 37% more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Both girls and boys without a father twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times as likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. Now, I mean, obviously that doesn't mean that having <coughs> parents guaranteed none of those things will happen. Because when we get to talking about the whole subject of how sin has affected parenting and children, you'll see some, some stuff there. According to a study of, of only Caucasian families, only, only white families in this study. Daughters of single parents, 53% more likely to marry while teenagers. 11% more likely to have children as teenagers. 92% more likely to end up divorced in that marriage. So, some of those stats are even 20 years old. It's worse now than it was then. God's purpose for marriage, beyond just companionship, is it's meant to create the best environment for nurturing godly children who love the Lord, and who can be functional, productive adults in their community. Now, we also know that that doesn't always work out so well. Just like sin has damaged the, the wife-husband relationship, sin has impaired parenting and children's response to parenting. We're going to look at that in the near future and some strategies on dealing with that, how sin has just made everything so much harder. Because we know that despite our best efforts, to the contrary, Sometimes kids are going to go their own way. Kids are going to do their own thing. They got their own wills. Got their own stuff. It's okay. We'll talk about that too. Now again, this is not to say that every marriage produces offspring or that single parent households cannot have a great and godly kids, because of course they can. And I've met kids that grew up in a home with single parent and they're, they're doing great. Because we know we just know that's not true. But the point is that the God-ordained ideal for offspring to be nurtured and grow is within a biblical family. Remember, when we're talking about marriage, we're talking about the ideal and how we can move toward that ideal as much as possible. Which takes me to my next point. And that next point is that the Bible says children are a blessing, not a requirement. Now, I'm going to say some things here that Remember I promised you last week I might say some things that might some of you might not like. We do not provide fruit precisely because of this, so you can't throw it at me. <laughs> Look at what Genesis 1.28 says, right? It says this is the other part of the creation narrative. It talks about it. And God blessed them. This is right after Adam and Eve were created, right? And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. My guess is that most of us know who Michelle and Jim Duggar are, right? The 19 kids and counting people. Wow, right? They take a very hardcore interpretation of that verse. And, and also, another verse in Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5 of Psalm 127, say, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. 
Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And while the Duggars are not part of it, there, there's a group known, maybe you've heard this before, called the Quiverful Movement. Anybody heard of the Quiverful Movement? I just watched a documentary on it, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, the Netflix documentary, they made the documentary, right? Um, their goal is, is for each family to have as many children as possible. Many as you can. Many, they, in their minds, as many as you have is what the Lord has given you, and you just keep going for it. Um, and for sure, I'm going to tell you straight up, I got no problem with people wanting children or having children. If you want to have a whole mess of them, God bless you. Go for it. Um, that's great.
comes sort of to our ears, sounds like a command. That's what's going on right here in Genesis. God is blessing them. That sounds sort of like a command, right? Be fruitful, multiply. But it's a blessing. God is saying, I'm blessing you. Be fruitful and multiply and fill and subdue the earth. And just as an aside, okay, even if it was a command to Adam and Eve, I'm going to tell you, we pretty much straight up fulfilled that command if it was a command. I mean, you got 7 billion people in common. The earth is definitely full. We're doing all right. Especially when you consider we have a history of regularly trying to kill ourselves off. Yeah. You know, every, every few years we decide to find another way to have a war and try to kill each So, okay. But I want you to think about this one. And this is my other, not only is it not a command because it's a blessing, and that's what the language of what's going on there is. But I also want you to think about it this way. Would God command every couple to have children and then purposely make that command impossible to I want you to think about that for a second. Stash it in your mind. Hold on to it, because we're going to come back to that in just a second. Would God command something to every couple, if it was a command, and then purposely make it impossible for some couples to fulfill that? Okay, think about that. We'll come back to that. I promise. The second problem with this understanding this idea that God commands every couple to have children is that even if you agree that children are a blessing, not a command, some folks have the idea then that those who do not have children are somehow being punished or that God has some problem with them. But that is not what Psalm 127 verses 3 through 5 is saying. It's not saying that at all. It does say children are a blessing and a heritage. It comes right out and says that. But the rest of the scripture makes it clear that not having children is not some sort of punishment. Case number one, Sarah and Abraham. Sarah's lack of a child is kind of what drives a lot of the story of Abraham, right? Creates a lot of hassles for her and Abraham because they're waiting for this promised child from God. But nowhere in the entire cycle of Abraham does it say that she does not have a child because she is somehow being punished or God is somehow mad at Abraham or mad at her or something like that. Nothing like that is going on. In fact, it seems pretty clear as you read the whole story, the whole reason God makes them wait until she is 90 and he is 100, think about that, folks, Precisely to show his power and how he makes good on his promises, because it is the making good on the promise when it seemed impossible that finishes up the story and makes Abraham the father of faith. It's not that they were being punished for something. Case number two, and this one goes back to the whole issue of commands. Hannah. Samuel 1 tells us the story of Hannah. Right? You remember the story? She's childless. She really wants a baby really bad. Right? And her husband's got this other wife. That's a 
their marriage. But, and here's where I'm going to hurt some of you, we should not pressure them by asking them, when are you going to have children? <laughs> or telling them, oh, this one. Well, you know, aren't you going to be lonely when you're old if you don't have kids in your old age? No, because I'm going to have my yacht. <laughs> or telling them, you're going to miss out on this, you're going to miss out on that. Let it be between them and God. Children are a blessing, not a requirement. Secondly, some couples want children, but have not been blessed with children for whatever reason. It could be physical, right? Because we know sin in the world, sometimes the body just don't function right. Something's not functioning right. It could be maybe they just haven't been successful at conceiving yet. It could be that the Lord has other purposes in making them wait, Hannah. Right? Again, stop asking them when they'll have children. Maybe they're like my friends Ben and Misty, who before they had their first child had three miscarriages. Okay? You know what that does to a woman, especially when she's had three miscarriages? And people keep asking her when she's going to have a child? You want to drive that, that pain deeper? That'll do it right there. Stop. Don't do it. Maybe they've been trying and they just can't conceive. And now our words have made that pain feel like a failure on their part. Reminding childless couples of their lack of children makes it feel like it's a punishment from God. So don't do it. Because there is no punishment from God there in that. Okay? Finally, some couples are going to have a mess of children. Let them. I have a good pastor friend who's got seven kids. They love their big family. Told you about my friend Ben and Misty. His wife never told me. She's told by multiple doctors you're never going to have kids. They got seven kids now, including the little bonus one in old age. That's awesome. They couldn't be happier. They're blessed. That's great. I mean, I don't know what I'd do if I had seven kids. For me, it'd be a struggle because I, I, my brain just can't wrap around it. But you know what? Be right there. Ben and Misty are about as happy as you're ever going to be. And that's awesome. Praise God. But I guess my point in all that is stop asking people when they're going to have kids. <laughs> Let it be between them and God. Just I know we're all well, people are well-intentioned. Because we love kids, I love my kids, right? Well, you should know, our kids, the kids are great, they love kids, you know, right? Okay. But you know, I love my dog too, but maybe I don't want a dog. Right? Where you go? Final word, we're single, let me, let me, let me say something to single parents. Okay, seriously, single parents. I'm going to tell you, single parents, God, God sees you. He saw poor Hagar. When after kind of basically being used by Sarah and Abraham to have a child, she was mistreated. And actually, when she runs away from Sarah and Abraham, and she's there in the wilderness, and God comes to her, what does she call God? She calls God El Roy, the God who sees me. Now, God knows parents that it's not ideal. He gets that. 
But it doesn't mean that your children are doomed or cursed. It does mean your job will be harder. I don't think anybody can deny that. It's going to be harder for single parents. It also means that we as the church should be on the front lines of helping single parents as much as we can. Let's help. So God's second purpose in creating marriage is to create the ideal situation to give children the best chance to become godly and good. Because children are a blessing to the world. Godly parents are a blessing to their children. The church should do everything it can to help all parents, married, single, grandparents, adoptive parents, foster parents. And see, we can go on about all sorts of different things, right? I mean, you, we'd never get to our meeting because I, I could talk about all these other kinds of parenting, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are good things, right? Adoptive parents are wonderful things. Foster parents. You know how many kids are being fostering? But whatever it is. We should do for all parents the best that we can so they can be the best parents they can be for the Lord and for their children's sake. Let's pray. Father, we know your word tells us, and those of us who have been parents know it, that children are a blessing to the Lord. And we thank you for the blessing of children. And Father, we know for whatever reason sometimes people don't have children. And that's between you and them. Father, help us all to be people who love children and who want to nurture children, our own, and help other parents or whatever it is. Because that's the ideal situation, is, is that children would grow up to be godly and follow you and be productive people in society. We know that a two-parent family is the ideal situation you created for that. But even when that's not happening, Father, we can all participate all those things better, everyone involved, and honoring you as we love and